Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Thursday, October 20th. Eululations from Heavenly Places. Today's scripture reading is found in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36 from the New International Version, which reads, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him, And through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This is God's word. O batos plutu, kai sophias, kai gnosis, theu. Okay, that's what the first line of today's scripture reading sounds like in the Greek text of it. Or at least that's how I would read it. Let's just say Paul has become just a tad unhinged. His much learning had made him a bit mad indeed, mad with worship, overwhelmed with wonder that sprang out of him at this point in a torrent of adulation and praise. Oh, bathos, plutu, kai sophias, kai gnosis, the who? Sorry, I just had to say that again. It's like one of my favorite lines of Greek to recite, and and it will often be heard issuing forth from me at the height of worship, often making any within earshot think that this old evangelical is tongue-speaking. Is Mike also among the prophets? I've always told my Greek and Hebrew students through the years, with tongue firmly pressed in cheek, that this is one of the side benefits of learning these biblical languages. But... I digress. Imagine that. Listen once more to Paul's exclamatory outburst, okay, in English this time. Because that's what this is, an exclamatory outburst. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and to him are all things forever. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so how can anyone calmly read these words as simple prose when in fact it's an emotive surge of volcanic proportions? And you read it as if it were a summary of today's weather? O desecrator of holy writ, O blasphemer of ancient scripture, you recite holy words of passionate outpouring of the divine like flat words on a page? I cluck my tongue in your general direction. Actually, despite piling on so, I really can't blame you. It's sort of like trying to simulate the rebel yell out of the context of the peak intensity of battle. All right, the rebel yell was first heard in the first Battle of Bull Run in the summer of 1861, when Stonewall Jackson sent his mostly very young men forward with the instruction to give them the bayonet and charge, yelling like furies. Now, they had no idea what exactly he meant when he said to yell like furies, but as they charged, This is what emerged from their collective throats, as described by S.C. Gwynn in his book, Rebel Yell, which is actually a biography of Stonewall Jackson. 
Great reading if, well, if you're into the Civil War especially. Gwen writes, The peculiar, piercingly loud noise the advancing men made was something neither rebel nor Union troops had ever heard before, and whose exact inspiration is unknown. It was the implausible result of each man giving a sequence of three sounds that registered somewhere between the screech of a bird and the bark of a fox. A short, high-pitched yelp, followed by a short, lower-pitched bark, followed by a high-pitched yelp. Collectively, the noise sounded feral, unearthly, and inhuman, like a ululation from the pit of hell. It would become the stuff of Union nightmares throughout the war. As one Federal soldier put it, there's nothing like it on this side of the infernal region. The peculiar corkscrew sensation that it sends down your backbone can never be told. The practice would soon spread through the entire Confederate army, and it would soon have a name, the Rebel Yell. Aging Confederate veterans, many of them toothless, on the 50th anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg were asked by reporters to do the rebel yell for them. We can't, they replied. Our stomachs are too full, and we're not at a full-on run in the midst of pitched battle. And we have no teeth. That's sort of what it's like trying to perform Paul's own ululations, not from the nether regions, but from heavenly ones. That's what this bit at the end of Romans 11 is, his personal eululation from heavenly places. Sure, we would call it more properly a doxology, I suppose, which is fine. But seriously, who has room for a eululation from heavenly places that makes our hair stand up on end? Well, Paul did in the spiritual and emotional and intellectual flow of what we know as Romans 9-11, through in what forms the capstone of this timeless theological statement and the most systematic and exhaustive theological statement within the pages of our New Testaments. Honestly, you just have to be there to experience the potential eululation. And please note that this is the ultimate end of all healthy theology gobsmacked wonder at the ultimate and infinite unsearchableness of all that we have just attempted to explore and expound, potentially resulting in a loud and demonstrative ululation from heavenly places that leaves you face on the ground, or at least on your knees. Now, we're talking theology and worship. So as you pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer, ask yourself this. When's the last time you found yourself in gobsmacked wonder at the ultimate and infinite unsearchableness of all that we attempt to explore and expound about all things God? How did you respond in that moment? What makes such moments come? Have you found yourself ululating from heavenly places in your own rebel yell worship moment? What prompted it? Why do we try to contain rather than express such moments? Lord, you are God over all the earth, and to you all flesh will come. 
let us come to you. Let us come to worship. Let us worship you, ululating even from heavenly places at the appointed hour and in the spontaneous moment, in the company of others and in the solitude of lonely places, in ways loud and expressive and yelling, in ways quiet and unspoken and whispering, in ornate sanctuary and in the checkout line at Walmart, in the quiet of the early morning and dawn's first light, and in the chaotic din of midday, in the calm of the solemn assembly, and in the chaotic upheavals of the nursery. In all these ways and more, let us worship you, filled with divine breath, saturated in the deepening reality of you, through your Spirit, in, upon, and with us. Amen.